0: Wake up, Nick. You must wake up. What? Who's there? You must wake up, Nick. It's imperative that you rise. You are sorely needed. Worldmind? Is that you? What? No, man, it's Lance. We got an issue to record. Oh, right. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. Did you dream about being Nova again? Uh, Yeah. Welcome to Convo Keepers, where we talk about combo characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Lance, and today we're talking about Richard Rider, aka Nova. And of course, I cannot dive into a character alone, so I had to bring in my buddy Nick from None of My Friends Like Comics to talk about this character that is one of their favorites. So uh, welcome to the show, Nick.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited.
0: Yes, I I was very happy when you chose this character because it's a character I did not know a lot about. So it it goes very much to the roots of the show of us learning more. So thank you for that. Of
1: course, of course. Yeah, no, always down to bring the, uh, the slightly obscure Marvel characters to the forefront.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Before we get going, how about you tell our listeners a little bit about your show?
1: Yeah, um, so uh, I host a show called None of My Friends Like Comics. Um, it's uh, kind of what the title says, where I don't have any friends who like comic books most of the time, or at least read them. Uh, and uh, I wanted a, a place where I could Talk to um, some of them about it, like friends and family, about uh, books, you know, that I've just been itching to talk about or I think are interesting or, you know, just just worth going into something I think they might like, you know, is a big factor as well. And uh, we kind of just go in and we dissect stories, talk about like the history of them and then just kind of gauge like them as a new reader, what their reaction is and how they feel about it compared to someone like me who, you know, not saying I'm like an expert in comics. It's just that I've been reading them for you know, quite a bit of time and, um, I just, uh, am really into that stuff. So I'm all into like, you know, the, the inside baseball and like, you know, creative teams and like, you know, why this is that way or, you know, editorial, like, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, they have no context for that. (laughs) So it's like, it's fun to like, you know, get that perspective and it helps me gain perspective as well of just like, you know, what's most important, which to me is, uh, I always try to preach on the show is uh, the stories that come out, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you can you get this other other view of things like you've been reading for so long, and if somebody comes into the story, if they haven't read things about the world that it's said in prior, they might not get certain things that pop up. And so your experience for reading like an event storyline is going to be very different from an individual that hasn't read very much,
1: oh yeah. yeah. and and that's uh, that's kind of the aim is like, you know, i I most of the show, I mean, like the show is only a year old at this point, but, like, I've tried to like I said cater the um episodes or the books like to the person that I'm doing the episode with in a way that I think that they would get something out of it or at least find it interesting and have like a good conversation about but like I am so stoked for uh we're coming up on a point where like a lot of the my guests have decent experience now so it's like mm-hmm. we're going to jump into like the deep end of like you know event comics and things like that and just uh get into all that stuff. We kind of did that with like DC Rebirth which was yes. a lot of fun because it's just like a million people talking and are coming up and like characters dropping in and out. And they're just like, who the hell is this? I have no idea. <laughs> but that's a lot of fun to explain. So it's like,
0: yeah. And I can't recommend your show enough. It's very fun. I think I found it fairly quickly after you started.
1: You did. You were like one of the first people to message me about it. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, oh, cool. Like another show. know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude. No, I was uh, I I was super stoked when you reached out, too, because like I was just like, oh, it must mean I'm doing something right. Like, you know,
0: (laughs) yeah, you definitely were, because just the premise alone was like something I was like, oh, I absolutely want to check this out. It's just a guy that's bringing on people that don't normally read comics and I like hearing their opinions of them and their experience and kind of just building the hobby. It's very much uh, like a community builder uh, type of feel of a show and i i really enjoy that aspect of it
1: thank you thank you no i mean like yeah that's that's exactly what we're kind of going for is just like you know i try to appeal to both like you know people who would be interested that don't really have context as well as like you know the ones that do and uh it's just uh yeah just just trying to be make everything a bit more all inclusive i guess is kind of uh, the
0: the main goal it's always a great listen so everyone go check out none of my friends like comics it's on Right, every podcast streaming platform that's out there?
1: Yep, yep, yeah, all the big ones. And then uh, uh, we have, you know, obviously we're on Twitter at No Comic Friends, and that's the only real social media I have. I mean, I'm working on getting some other stuff, but that's kind of where I do all the updates just when new episodes come out and all that jazz. But yeah, we're on, you know, Spotify, Apple, uh, you know, Google, all that stuff. So
0: there you go. All right, let's dive straight into the bio and origin of Nova. And because we have an expert on here. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to you. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about Nova. Okay.
1: So, Nova. Um, Richard Ryder, a.k.a. the Human Rocket, a.k.a. old Buckethead, Gold Dome himself, uh, was created by Marv Wolfman. And uh, later on, I am going to let Lance unpack that cluster of information uh, that is starting his origin and creation a bit later. Uh, all we need to know right about all we need to know right <laughs> now is nova as he exists in the marvel universe and um the original pitch for nova is pretty simple uh, take green lantern's powers and spacefaring lore but give it to a young peter parker s character
0: thank you as as soon as i started reading the story in his origin i was like so green lantern
1: yeah exactly Sa- sounds pretty sounds pretty interesting right uh, so it's <laughs> a simple concept but um you know and richard Ryder certainly Gives off those uh, vibes initially, um, but there are key differences uh, that kind of make him unique. Um, for example, Richard is a relatively underachieving high school student when we first meet him. Um, he's born and raised in Long Island, New York. Uh, Richard's the firstborn of his parents, Charles and Gloria Ryder. He has a younger brother named Robbie who factors into Rich's stories when writers remember that he exists. Um, Richard was unconfident and didn't have much of a purpose initially. Um, he, uh, like, to make matters worse, he was. He's he's kind of bullied and picked on by fellow students, but um he's not a he's not exactly Peter Parker because you know he he has friends like you know Ginger Jane and Caps, who's a guy who wears uh you know baseball caps um that's his personality <laughs> and a, and a few others um but you know he lacked any particular like talent or drive um which I think is kind of cool it's one of the things I really like about Rich is the fact that he's very much an everyman, more so than Peter because Mm -hmm. it's like I get why people related to Peter and why he's special especially in the grand scheme of comics and when he came out and we're talking about something that came out like 15 years after Peter Parker so you know it's like you got to have context for that but Rich is very much like he's not like a super genius like Peter (laughs) you know he's just kind of like a dude and like he can't catch a a football or whatever, you know, and, stuff. and it's like, it's like, okay, like you know, it's like I find that like slightly easier to relate to because it's like the feeling of like you know, like sometimes like you you feel like you can't do anything right, you know. And and Rich is kind of just that when he first starts out. And um, that is until one day uh when visiting his favorite malt shop, Uncle Fudge's, which I just like mentioning because that's the name of it. Uh, a beam of energy strikes Richard, instantly putting him in a coma. And while in the hospital. Rich has a dream where a humanoid alien dressed in one of the coolest Marvel designs ever proclaims that it transferred its powers to Richard in a last-ditch effort to finish its mission. And what is that mission? Finding and destroying the evil being that decimated its home planet. Now, this alien uh, tells Richard that he has now inherited the rank of Centurion and is known as Nova Prime. Now, this is later revealed to be a guy named Roman Day Who you might recognize the name of because he was played by John C. Riley in the Guardians of the Galaxy film. Uh, Roman Day hails from the planet Xandar, uh, also in the Guardians of the Galaxy film, which at this point um, in Rich's origin, uh, you know, a bunch of the people of Xandar were slaughtered by the alien that he tracks to Earth, and that alien is named Zor. Richard wakes up and almost immediately finds that he has powers. Um, You know, he can fly, he's super fast, durable, all that fun stuff. And when the Nova outfit is transferred to Rich, he goes about town uh, just kind of testing out his new powers. Um, he eventually runs across Zor and begins battling him. And after needing to make the effort to save some of his friends and civilians from like the collateral damage going on, Zor is mysteriously transported away. And we see that Roman Day spent like the last of his energies to transport Zor to his ship. And they both fell in like a final attack on each other, basically. So this leaves Richard in a status quo on Earth where he has no mentor, no answers, and nothing but his like I guess noble intentions to guide him as he tries his best at becoming a man worthy of the name Nova. And that's kind of the status quo for his early adventures at least in the original series. Um you know, and through those early adventures, he he'd go on to develop a rogues gallery consisting of characters like Powerhouse, the Condor, Mega Man, but not Dr. Wily Mega Man <laughs> and uh the corruptor Diamond Head who is easily my favorite cuz he's just a dude with a diamond for a head right. and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and the dreaded one himself the Sphinx who's kind of like built up as a uh, his you know main bad guy at least at that point um he's just kind of like a a not as good Kang, but, <laughs> but, um,
0: uh, lesser Kang. Yeah. And, uh, so Rich was
1: determined to make something of himself and he has like, you know, this brief classic superhero career in New York. Uh, eventually he was called into space to protect the newly reformed planet Xandar. And after a stint of kind of, you know, spacefaring adventures and seeing a fair share of intergalactic battles, Richard became homesick and requested to go back to earth. And in doing so, he actually relinquishes his powers. Like, that's kind of the end of the Marv Wolfman era, which is actually finished in, like, some Fantastic Four issues that he was writing at the okay. time because, because the Nova series got canceled. And so he kind of finished that off in in his Fantastic Four run. But yeah, so Richard would then kind of just fall into relative obscurity uh, until he was brought back in a little team book that defines the 90s for a lot of people, The New Warriors by Fabian Nicieza
0: it is an essential 90s <laughs> reading. Oh you my new, gosh. You a New Warriors fan? Oh, I I am I have so much fun looking through those issues, I will say.
1: Yeah, there uh, some of them are pretty rough, I got to say. <laughs> but, but uh but there's some good stuff in there. Um so, you know, and I love the way that the story actually starts like with in regards to Rich. Um so, picking up back on Earth you know, years later at this point, uh, you know, things proved to be rather difficult considering that Rich went off to space and he never finished high school. <laughs> so so he was working like dead-end jobs when, none, when one night he's kidnapped by Night Thrasher, everybody's right. favorite relic of the 90s. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, Night Thrasher interrogates Rich about his identity and after confirming he is indeed Richard Ryder, like the guy he's holding over a building, Uh, Night Thrasher throws him off the top of the building and luckily Rich regains his ability to fly and is all smiles to learn that like his powers were like still within him I guess and even though Night Thrasher just straight up says he did not know that like he did not know that, (laughs) and that's that's a that's like their character dynamic for 12 straight issues it's like Rich just being mad that Night Thrasher did not know that he would live after being thrown off a building <laughs> and like that's just i don't know how they're on a team for that long but yeah uh so that's a great sequence too that's literally the opening of the new Warriors series is him throwing it's him fantastic. off the building
0: yeah it's great uh, yeah. uh, night thresher <laughs> is a a uh, common man homicidal batman as character with a very interesting mask yeah and a skateboard of course everyone has to have a skateboard in the 90s
1: yeah <laughs> Skateboard and like nunchucks and stuff. It's
0: like, But yeah, so Rich would go
1: on to, you know, from this point, be a prominent member of the team, the New Warriors, and uh, create lasting friendships with all of the members, including, you know, Speedball, Marvel Boy, Namorita, and Firestar. And uh, there are many great actual Nova-centric stories in the New Warriors series. Like notably, there's one where a woman uh, named Marriott Kareem gains the power of uh, the Sphinx and alters reality to seemingly give everyone what they want. And if you're thinking of House of M, you'd be correct (laughs) because it's the same thing,
0: but like. Uh Or from Wonder Woman 1986
1: or 1984. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that, oh yeah, that's true. Maybe it's just an old plot, I don't know. But either way, I thought of House (laughs) of M instantly and I was like, that's weird. But uh, you know, Richard, in this alternate reality, He's like an Avenger, and everyone loves him and stuff. And he's just like this prominent, good superhero. And, uh, you know, he's eventually broken of it. He's shown the truth, and uh, he ends up recruiting the rest of the new warriors, and they defeat her. Um, Another notable story, one of my favorites, actually, is called The Star Lost. And it details uh, Richard aiding in bringing back the population of Xandar, because if you remember from the origin, it's like, you know, the whole reason that he got the powers is because they were slaughtered, and Roman Day tracked down Zorn. So this is where we get to see some of the major updates that like modernize the Nova Corps and like how they work. Like it just goes more in depth into that stuff, which is really cool. And Nova, uh, there, there there is actually a uh, series that that story leads into, just called Nova in '94 Nova Solo series. And um, that was originally written by uh, Fabian Nicieza as well. And in this era, uh, we get to see Richard kind of struggle to work within the structure of the Nova Corps while maintaining his uh, membership in the New Warriors. And uh, you get a lot of fun stories with the relationship between him and Namorita. At this point, um, uh, they they have like kind of a on and off relationship thing, which is kind
0: of like an unlikely couple in comics. But you know, it's it's cute. <laughs> he's he's in space. She's underwater. They meet on land.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and So the Nova series uh, would end at issue 18 and New Warriors would uh, conclude with issue 75. We do get a really weird seven issue run that everyone forgets about that was written by Eric Larson called Nova mm. the Human Rocket, um, in which Savage Dragon, his uh, creation for Image Comics actually appears and they like team up for a bit. It's very That's strange. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, but eventually... For Rich, though, like, you know, in, in the actual story structure, uh, the duty of the core starts to take uh, more precedence in his life, and he leaves the New Warriors as they begin to star in a reality TV show. And if you've read Civil War, you know that that doesn't end very well. Uh, but either way, this is where we enter the year 2006, and my favorite era for Nova begins with one of the greatest superhero event comics of all time, Annihilation. And... This is also where we uh, get the writing team of Dan Abnett and and Andy Lanning, or as the fans referred to them as uh, DNA, and uh, they start their legacy defining run on Richard as the character.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> Oh, DNA. my Gosh, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll and we'll get into Annihilation a little bit later. But I was I was definitely feeling the the world building that they were doing throughout that series.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean like um like and they, they really only handle the Nova portion of the story, which is a big part, but like you can see that they're like they're planting seeds, like they're like, we're gonna do something with like all this space stuff, you know? <laughs> like they they just uh they just took it and ran with it. But yeah, so basically like like Lance said, we're gonna get into Annihilation a bit later, but that story kind of just details Richard sort of coming into his own as a leader. Um, he really like matures and becomes like the peak of like his character in this story. Like it's just like he's he's leading like a coalition of like united alien cultures to fight like, you know, a bug horde and stuff. Like it's awesome. <laughs> and, like yeah, and, it uh, is it, bonkers. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's it's just like so much stuff, you know. And um uh, he he gets like a major power upgrade due to uh, the Xandarian world mind, which I guess I could explain a little bit here, but like uh the world mind is A sentient AI that houses the knowledge of all deceased members of the Nova Corps as well as the people of Xandar. And uh, it attaches Rich to, uh, or attaches to Rich and acts as his uh, partner, you know, kind of like a kind of like Jarvis in Iron Man, I guess is the best way to say it. But it's a, but it's way more of a uh, power upscale there. Um, But yeah, so like, you know, Annihilation is a story that like has so much cool stuff and uh, there's so many cool moments. And from there, we move on, and Abnet and Landing would give him a solo series, wherein which Nova would kind of uh, take the forefront of like Marvel's space era, like in the even though it was never quite as popular as like what was going on on like the Earthbound books, but like it's it was he was kind of the the flagship guy, you know. And um, eventually through that era, uh, post annihilation, um, you know, like I said, he's a prominent figure, and uh, he helped form like you know the modern incarnation of the Guardians of the Galaxy that everyone loves, uh, fought a phalanx-powered Ultron, uh, he was a big player in the War of Kings event involving conflicts between the Shi'ar Empire and the Kree, he rebuilt the Nova Corps, uh, his brother Robbie joins, much to his objection, just lots of great plots with like awesome character progression. And Unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, though, and uh, with the event called the Thanos Imperative, this era for Rich ends heroically as he sacrifices himself along one of his best friends, Peter Quill, to keep an enraged thanos at bay and uh this is the story uh me and lance talked about off air a little bit but um uh that involves a universe known as the cancerverse invading our reality because they are overpopulated after defeating death and uh, it's a great end to a great era for a great character but this is superhero comics so nothing stops and uh (laughs) (laughs) afterwards uh peter quill had to be alive because there was a guardians of the galaxy movie coming out so, the question became in the comics uh, if Pete's alive, what happened to Rich? And uh, it was retcon that Richard was basically able to let Pete escape, subjecting himself not to death, but constant resurrection within the Cancerverse. Uh, this is where we get Sam Alexander, who's our modern day Nova. He ends up uh, finding Rich way down the line and assists him in overcoming his evil, like, Cancerverse infection uh, in a uh, great Jeff Loveless, like, series. I think it lasted maybe like nine issues or something like that. Um, but So Rich is back, and uh, he was featured heavily in a mini-event called Annihilation Scourge a few years back in 2018, I believe, and uh, has been present through the last few Guardians of the Galaxy runs um, by Donny Cates and Al Ewing, respectively. Uh, Usually, he plays like the role of, uh, you know, he's he's in the background playing galactic politics and uh, representing the Nova Corps, and uh, most recently, he's been a player, uh, like I said, in Al Ewing's X-Men work uh, in a book called Sword and the continuation, which is called X-Men Red. And uh, that's where we're at with Rich right now.
0: Fantastic. That is such a good, like, just because I was reading through his page and there's so much information. So I appreciate you <laughs> condensing all of that down to a, an appropriate amount for our listeners to comprehend.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to go into that's just so specific, but it's like, uh, you know, I, I could I could bullet point this a bit.
0: <laughs> don't need to go through every issue of the New Warriors. <laughs> there's some people out there that might want to listen to that part, though. That's true was 90 base. I'll work on so, that next. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Let's jump into a little bit more about the character. So we have uh, other names and aliases are Nova Prime, Kid Nova, Nova, uh, and then he's Nova number 11249-44396, the Human Rocket, and then eventually Quasar.
1: Yeah, yeah, he gets the quantum bands at a point. Yeah, it's like, uh I feel like in the era of like annihilation up to the Thanos imperative, there were like seven different quasars. But like, yes. <laughs> but but that was yeah. He was technically quasar for a while. It was pretty cool. Yeah,
0: I thought that was fitting, just because at one point during the annihilation storyline, Quasar basically sacrifices himself it in a in a way to really protect Rich, and mm-hmm. I feel like rich taking those bands is kind of like an honoring of the sacrifice that the quasar before him took it, it was just like a really like heartfelt moment when i read that i was like oh that's that's very fitting
1: yeah i love their relationship too especially in that story because when wendell vaughn quasar shows up he's just like oh rich how's it going you know and mm-hmm. they're just like they're just they're just buddies and it's like yeah they're great that it's like is just Murders him, and you're like, Oh man, this is messed up.
0: Not only does Rich lose the entire Nova Corps, he also loses like the one person that's just like, Hey, buddy.
1: Yeah, his one person he can like kind of relate to. Like, you know, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I did want to say too about his nicknames, uh, his, his number designation. Yeah, I always thought that was kind of funny because I always imagined like they were just like, they made it just long enough to not be memorable, right? And they made it and they made it slightly longer than the Green Lantern designations tend to be.
0: So <laughs> what if it's just a little bit longer? Yeah, that's Jeez. different. It's kind of different. You know, yeah, we different. can't make it exactly like Green Lanterns.
1: I guess not. I guess not.
0: And then Nick already touched on this a bit, but powers and abilities really quick. Superhuman strength, speed, durability, agility, and, and reflexes. And then currently in the possession of the downloaded Zandarian World mind, which gives him a massive power-up, which we'll talk even more about a little bit later, that allows him to have a force-granting energy projection and absorption. He can also create these gravitational forces and open wormholes that tend to be called stargates, which is very interesting. Yeah. He also has a regenerative healing factor, flight, and an expert hand-to-hand combatant. Yeah, he's yeah. So there, there's a reason why when everything goes down in space, he tends to be put in charge of some type of faction.
1: Yeah, exactly. He he's he's, he's perfectly equipped for that. Like yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's so cool to see him like ascend to that role too. Like that's a you know we keep we keep like hinting at annihilation stuff, and and like you said, we'll get there. But it's like just
0: it's just such a good character arc you know (laughs) like for him it's fantastic yeah yes we'll get there because I already have (laughs) like things I want to talk about with it so we'll get through the rest of this stuff really quick so his uh, team affiliations include the Nova Corps the New Warriors the Defenders the Champions of Xandar the Secret Avengers United Front and Guardians of the Galaxy Uh, supporting characters include Gamora Peter Quill Ronin Speedball Drax Adam Warlock Spider-Man Night Thrasher and Rom the Space Knight as well as Quasar yeah and then some antagonists include obviously Annihilus, Galactus, Thanos, and Garthan Saul.
1: Yeah, yeah, Garthan Saul.
0: Yeah, and for for those of you listening that might not know much about Nova, just like I did beforehand, Garthan Saul was actually a character that had the entirety of the world mind downloaded into his mind because he was also a, a Nova, and it caused him to go insane yeah. and uh, basically become a a super villain with this yeah. power
1: yeah and it's so great because that story like develops and they they keep bringing garth and saul back uh over periods in rich's history where it's like eventually he's like um i think he takes the mantle of a they call him nova omega mm. and um, he's like kind of like uh you know wishy-washy like you know is it my like a frenemy of of riches for a while and um uh, it's always like really tense whenever he shows up um yeah, I don't know. I like Garth and Saul as like a, a villain. He's he's almost not quite because like his publication history is definitely a lot more limited, as is Riches, I guess, comparative to Green Lantern. But like, I would almost call him like the Sinestro of like yes. uh, yeah, like it's a it, it if that you know if you if you know your Green Lantern stuff like uh, that's that's kind of what I would compare Garth and Saul to.
0: Absolutely agree. Do you have a favorite supporting character for Nova? I really, I really like Speedball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but i really hate what they did with speedball
1: <laughs> like you know after after civil war and whatnot um yeah. i just uh that's just like some of the uh cringiest stuff but <laughs> but like it's a but you know i i get why they did it it's just um it, it you know and i love the way that actually the nova series handles that um i'll talk about that a bit more in my recs here coming up but like uh yeah i like speedball um but I always have to say, just because Annihilation was where I really jumped on with Rich and became attached to him, I always loved him and Peter, Peter Quill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's like they just make such a good team. And, um, this Peter Quill, too, is, uh, much different than the one we've come to know, even in the comics now, uh, because they definitely Chris Pratted him quite a bit <laughs> as time went on. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, Pete and Rich are just such a good team. And you can really feel the, uh, the the kinship there, I guess, you know? Like it's shit, yeah, it's just good stuff.
0: Yeah. Surprisingly, I really liked uh Rich and Ronan's relationship.
1: Yeah, right. Like <laughs> he's he's one of the few people like that really brings out like a uh you know, Ronan's not a total douche. <laughs> yeah (laughs) you know like it's like you kind of like because i think it's because rich like understands like what he's kind of going through you know it's like after after rich like lost everything basically and doesn't feel like he has a place you know it's like and ronan's been through that multiple times you know through the avengers history it's like ronan's been excommunicated from the kree like nine thousand times and then like let back in so it's like he's he's all about like you know knowing what it's like to be exiled and things and like even by something that you believe in and love or whatever you know so it's yeah r- him and ronan that's a that's a good one as well
0: <laughs> it, it's funny because it's not a reluctant relationship that they're in they really do have a lot of respect for one another to the point where ronan even wants to make rich an honorary cree uh-huh yeah and i was like that is mind-blowing to me because you have ronan who's always seen as more of like villain side of things but he he's showing this affection for a Terran, really, yeah,
1: exactly too, and like the, the and that's the thing too, earthbound people are like people that Ronan has never had like any respect for, <laughs> you know like he's <laughs> just always like you you all are dumb, like and I do not like you, you know, like they're just like pet- we're like petri dish people to him, you know, and like but yeah, the fact that he he likes rich and like likes him so much, it's like that's that's cool, yeah, <laughs> I like that,
0: yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, we've talked the origin, the bio, we've gotten a little bit more about the character of Richard Ryder. Let's go into the archives. Now, this issue is going to have a couple twists and turns when we're talking about the creators of this series. So, Nick, feel free to jump in at any point in time to help me explain the, the strangeness that goes along with this. Yeah. So Marv Wolfman in 1966 actually debuted the character of Nova or really a prototype of Nova called Black Nova with the help of Len Ween, who helped with the design of the character. So this dropped Super Adventures Fanzine number three in 1966. This was really a it, honestly, if you look it up, it looks like pieces of paper that have just been stapled together after after like a middle school kid has made. Yeah, like a comic book.
1: It's very like early DIY stuff like and it's, um, you know, I can't remember the name, but um, I think before he was called Black Nova, he was called something else like something star <laughs> or something. And then they changed it to Black Nova. Like, I don't know when, <laughs> but like how long they were putting it. To... But if you look at those sketches, I will say the design is like pretty much there. Yes, Like, you sure. know, it's like, it's, he looks like Nova, like it's unmistakable, but like, if you read anything about like what the character was, his name, there's no Richard Ryder, There's no, I mean, he's an alien, I think in the book, <laughs> like, it's like, he's not a guy, you know? And so it's like, it, essentially only in looks the same thing and nothing like what Rich would be or the character or anything like that. Like, I don't even think, I don't even know if Black Nova was a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it, it's just like a space guy, you know, who does space stuff, you know, so I, I don't know. It's um, it's but yeah, it's such a convoluted, weird history, which is strange because Marv Wolfman's still alive and he's spoken on the subject. I've even listened to a Nova theme podcast at one point where they interview him and talk about this. But even the stuff he says in that interview contradicts other stuff I've read that he said, you know, so it's like I, it's kind of up in the air. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Yeah. so we're just giving you the best information we have right now with what's on the internet. Exactly. So take, there's the Nova prototype that we saw that came out in 1966 in the fanzine. Then we get the actual first appearance of him in comics, which was in The Man Called Nova number 1, which dropped in September of 1976. Now, this storyline was written by Marv Wolfman and illustrated by John Buscema. When you look online, strangely enough, a lot of the times John isn't considered one of the creators of the character. Like some places say yes, some places say no. But for looking up, most of the places will say that John Romita Sr. is actually a, a part of the creation of this character because he was a part of the redesign before he came out in The Man Called Nova, number one.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, I think the... Little bit that I could confirm that sounds to be true just because I've heard him say it multiple times is the fact that Marv Wolfman, at the time of doing the Nova book or having the Nova book come out at Marvel, um, was working as a writer editor and he needed to write a minimum of four books. and I think he was writing, um, I think it was Fantastic Four and uh, was it possibly Ram the Space Knight? I think at the time, I'm not sure. It's one of those titles. I know he eventually wrote both, but, um, and, uh, so he wanted to create a new book and, um, decided to, you know, revamp, uh, the Nova design, the black Nova design. And I guess he asked John Ramita senior to modernize it, uh, considering it was 10 years old at that point. And, um, so I, like I said, I've never seen any like original sketches from Ramita senior, but like, I guess he. Is the one who changed the design to what Bushima would eventually
0: draw in the issue, even though he never drew an issue of
1: Nova. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. So that's what we're working with as far as the the creators of this character. So we'll make it a little bit easier for you though. We've already covered John Bushima on a previous episode for She Hulk, so you can listen about his origins in comics. And we've also previously covered the history of marv wolfen in our raven episode so go and listen to that i promise in the future we will do a len ween centric episode we're gonna cover wolverine at some point yeah (laughs) right so we'll cover len ween in the future just because he was a part of the creation of the prototype for the character rather than the character that we know today so the focus of this into the archives is going to be john ramita senior John Ramita Sr. was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, and would later graduate from Manhattan School of Industrial Art in 1947. Ramita made his comic book industry debut in 1949, working on Famous Funnies, a comic strip anthology series. Funny enough, the first story Ramita was given was a romance storyline, and he openly admits it was terrible. <laughs> he's, he's, quoted as, he's quoted as saying, all the women looked like emaciated men.
1: <laughs> That's hard to get the anatomy down. Sometimes, I guess.
0: Yeah, you gotta start somewhere, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Despite his less than stellar work, he was actually paid two hundred dollars for it, but it never saw the light of day. <laughs> yeah, and he even comes out and said it's it's for obvious reasons why it didn't see the light of day. <laughs> In 1949, Ramita was making thirty dollars a week at Forbes Lithograph when approached by his friend and comic book inker Lester Zakharin he offered him between $17 and $20 per page to pencil a 10-page story as a ghost artist for Marvel predecessor Timely Comics. And he actually continued to work as a ghost artist as the pay was significantly better than what he was making at Forbes. In 1951, Ramita was drafted into the U.S. Army, but he actually ended up using his artistic talents and would go on to make layouts for recruitment posters for the Army. One day in 1951, while not on duty... Ramita visited Stanley's office for the new named Atlas comics inside of the empire state building, which I didn't even realize that at the time that they were housed in the empire state building.
1: Yeah. I only ever actually found. funny enough that that's a fact that you have on here because like, I found that out like a month ago, (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh weird. Like, cool.
0: He informed his secretary that he had been working for Stan as a ghost artist for over a year and would like additional work. Stan gave him a four-page science fiction story, which he penciled and inked, which would actually be his first inking as well as his first story ever, doing so on his own. He then went into draw he then went on to draw Westerns, War Stories, Romance, and Horror. Ramita then began to work on the revival of Captain America. While freelancing for Alice, Ramita began working for DC Comics and eventually worked exclusively for them starting in 1958. Strangely enough, his first known work for the company was once again a romance comic. The cover for Secret Hearts Fifty Eight. Do you imagine like, <laughs> like how prolific his career is now? Like how well known he is, and it's just like he keeps getting thrown these romance stories left and right.
1: It is kind of crazy, right? Because you're like, you're like, man, like definitive, like one of the definitive Spider Man artists, one of the definitive Daredevil guys. Like it's just like, yeah, I mean, like I, I guess though, you know, I mean, Stan Lee though, I mean, like. I think there was I don't know if it's actually true, but I've heard people say like uh, you know, per per like if you look at the body of work, like the majority of Stan Lee's like written comics were romance comics. So it's <laughs> like it's like, oh, you know, I mean like they all did have like careers before Marvel, you know, I mean what it's became true. Marvel as we know it. So but yeah, I mean like yeah, like John Romita Senior seems like I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's just for, for like you said, how prolific of a career that guy has like in superheroes, especially it's like it's hard to imagine him like doing much else. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then with the decline in romance comics in 1965, that brought Ramita back to the now rebranded Marvel comics. So every time he goes and comes back, it's called something else. <laughs> His first work for Marvel was inking Jack Kirby's cover for the Avengers issue 23. Remita was planning on taking a position at an ad agency for advertising storyboard work as he was burned out on penciling stories after eight years of romance comics. However, a three hour lunch with Stan Lee swayed him to stay at Marvel and began his work on daredevil, starting with issue 12. Hell yeah. Yes. That, that's that run is great. That's <laughs> mm-hmm, fantastic. <laughs> Remita was tasked with a two part daredevil story guest starring Spider-Man, which served as a tryout for Remita's work with, for the Webhead. Spider-Man co-creator Stanley and Steve Ditko's strained relationship led to Ditko's departure from Marvel after Amazing Spider-Man 38 in July of 1966. Romita was assigned to take over the series and reluctantly did so despite wanting to stay on Daredevil. He mimicked Ditko's style for quite some time, assuming that he would return to the series, but after six months, he realized Ditko was not coming back. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man was Marvel's second best-selling when Remita took over, but within a year it surpassed Fantastic Four as the top seller for the company.
1: I think that's so funny to hear him talk about because I've heard him say that Daredevil thing mm-hmm. where he's just like he's just like no, I want to work on Daredevil, you know, like it's like I I love how much he loves that character in that book, you know, but like it's just like crazy to think because I mean I I don't want to make sacrilege here, but it's like those like when when he takes over Spider-Man, it's like I love those Ditko issues and like, you know, that's the foundational Marvel stuff. But like, I, I feel like it gets so much better story-wise and just like the way that like he, you know, it shows the motion of everything and like, just to pay, like his panel layouts and stuff. It's like, that's when it like really becomes Spider-Man to me, like, you know, a lot of the time. And maybe that's just because I read that stuff before I read the Ditko stuff, you know, but right. like,
0: it's just, oh yeah. Great, great stuff. I feel like everyone has a different era of Spider-Man that they feel is the definitive era.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if like the Romita senior era would be like my definitive per se, but it's like it's what I think of when I really think of like just like classic Spider-Man.
0: Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Romita's iconic run on Spider-Man resulted in the co-creations of Mary Jane Watson, Rhino, Shocker, and Kingpin. In 1973, Romita was promoted to art director, at which time he would co-create iconic characters including The Punisher, Wolverine, Luke Cage, Bullseye, Tigra, and Brother Voodoo. In 1976, Wolfman and John Ramida Sr. would tweak the design of Nova and create a new origin story, with John Buscema illustrating the issue. The redesigned Nova made his first appearance in The Man Called Nova number no. 1 in September of 1976.
1: Oh, now I can breathe. yeah
0: yeah so that is the history of the creators in there and and again go check out the stories for both john buscema uh, as well as uh marv wolfman because their stories are also expansive there there's so much to talk about there
1: uh yeah it's like it's funny how like everyone involved in this is just like this super legendary creator
0: yeah every (laughs) single one of them not a single person that touched nova was not going to go on to do prolific things throughout their exactly. career. It's insane. So, what we're saying is the common thread here is if you worked on Nova, you're iconic. Yes, yes, I would agree. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's dive right into our polis slash reading suggestion. So, so, Nick, what's the first reading suggestion you have for our listeners?
1: So, I kind of um, wanted to spotlight something from every era and I touched on it um in the uh bio and whatnot but like i gotta say like you know it's i know that it's hard to go back sometimes especially to anything from 60s and 70s marvel because it could be pretty hit or miss nowadays you know <laughs> like right. reading it for like a modern audience but i i think that the original man called nova number one is worth checking out because it is the foundation and i genuinely do like go back and re- I mean, I read it just the other day again for the first time in a while. And I was laughing out loud at some of like the hokey tropes, like, you know, from the time <laughs> and whatnot, like it's a, it, it gives, and you know, if you like that old school Spider-Man, it does give severe Spider-Man vibes, but you know, it's a bit more updated because we're talking 15 years after. So, you know, I think it's worth checking out.
0: I'll kind of piggyback on that because my first reading suggestion is going to be Nova, the origin of Richard Rider, which is written which is done by Abnett, Lanning, Borges, Wolfman, and Bushema. so yes. you get that that retelling of the origin so it's kind of a one-two punch it goes a little bit more in depth about the character as far as his just origin origin in general so a really good one-two punch honestly is reading his first appearance and then also reading Nova the origin of Richard Rider
1: it's kind of a perfect bridge to like the modern era like especially right. if you want to get into that like annihilation like mid two thousands to late like or early twenty tens kind of stuff like it's it, Abnet and Lanning are are like really good at just distilling it down and like making that old continuity work in the modern context.
0: So now that we got the origin reading suggestions out of the way, what do you have next?
1: So I wanted to spotlight something from the nineties because like I said, it's it's his second biggest era and like you can't you know you can't really avoid it but um i i joked about the new warriors kind of being like pretty hit or miss you know <laughs> and and, 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 it, and it sort of is you have to like think in context of the time but i genuinely think the star lost crossover is that leads into his solo 90s series not the human rocket eric larson one but the one written by bobby and um it's just it's some really good stuff and it really does expand out the lore of the Nova Corps, shows you how they work, they develop them a lot more. Um grows rich as a character. Uh you know and it it's just um it's it's kind of foundational for the annihilation stuff, but like there was just way less eyes on it it feels. I mean, I know comics were selling a lot better back then, but nobody seemed to really like pay attention to like the lasting continuity of it. And if you want to see where like Rich starts to become a little bit more serious and less of like, you know, just kind of like your Peter Parker knockoff, quote unquote, like Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it happens, I think.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good call. I you got to read some 90s greatness. You got to have some fun in there.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: your that's your palate cleanser bridge for the stuff that gets a little bit more intense. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and speaking of things that get a little bit more intense, my final reading recommendation is going to be Annihilation. I had so much fun reading this series, uh, and I would strongly suggest reading uh, the Annihilation Prologue, Annihilation Nova little mini series, limited series that they did, as well as the Annihilation six issue series. Yeah, uh, this was done by creative team Dan Abnett, Keith Giffen, Andy Lanning, Andrea Devito. Scott Collins and Kev Walker. Those are the creators that were specifically on those uh, story limited series or yeah, those limited series that I mentioned prior. And we've kind of touched touched on it already. So you have this annihilation wave, which is coming led by. Who do you think? Annihilus, because of course. (laughs) And it is these mech insects that are just kind of devouring everything and trying to take over the universe. Coming from the negative zone, they want to take over everything. They want to have this ultimate power. And Annihilus is obsessed with uh, having the power cosmic at his disposal. So he has recruited a Thanos to help trap... (laughs) A <laughs> Galactus and the Silver Surfer and learn how to expunge the Power Cosmic meanwhile Nova uh, having witnessed the absolute destruction of the entire Nova Corps uh, once again apparently yeah yeah
1: <laughs> that's happened like four times
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is just the story of devastation and uh, just fighting it feels like with one arm tied behind your back and there's so many characters that have to come in and, and team up that would normally never team up, which makes the series really interesting. There's reasons given given why the big players in the Marvel Universe are not participating in this particular event, which I thought was well done. But the the team-ups in the series are so interesting.
1: Yeah, I think what makes Annihilation so special is the fact that it takes everything and if you look at the majority of these characters that are like focal points in that event before that event they were all mostly kind of like trash bin hokey characters by that time (laughs) like absolutely and and it it juggles all of them like near perfection while like upping them all and making them all simultaneously super cool and super interesting yeah it's it, it, it's it's kind of like amazing that like it does everything that it does honestly <laughs> like it's it's just you know i mean like it made me think super scroll was
0: super cool you know like right? and, and like it's just like yeah <laughs> it made me care about ronin
1: yeah ronin like you know it was just like it, it in, in, you know, no, no kinder words, he was just an asshole for the last 40 mm-hmm. years or whatever, you know? And so it's yep. like, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's my number one, like, for a modern reader to get into like Marvel space stuff. It's like, there is no better place to start than Annihilation. And you kind of just go from there and like, I could, I could cheat and like make my last wreck, like basically just annihilation through Thanos imperative. Like just, just read this eight year block, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, you know, and and it's just like, it's just so consistent though. And like, there hasn't really been much stuff in the modern era that I can compare that to besides maybe like the Jonathan Hickman stuff, like, you know, from secret warriors to secret wars type stuff, you know I mean? Like it's of just consistent, great stuff and what makes the space stuff or the marvel cosmic stuff of that era more impressive than i'd say the hickman stuff is the fact that it wasn't just one person archetyping the whole thing it's like there were all these different creators working on all these books and like and they all just were firing on all cylinders it's just it's just great stuff and like lance was saying to everything that happens in this book like everything you were describing about like the heralds and like him recruiting thanos and like um oh god there's that I was going to text you about the moment, but I figured I'd wait for here. But just like, I was thinking about Annihilation and that moment where Thanos is such an interesting character in that book because mm-hmm. he's like, he he's like, oh, this Annihilus is interesting. You know, like yeah. he's just, you know, like he's just like curious. Like he's just like, I, I wonder what this guy is up to because like this is crazy. Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, this is this is a crazy thing he's doing. And like, uh and then would he... Uh, I think it's with Moondragon he he uses her telepathy uh, or she uses the telepathy to show him what Annihilus is actually thinking and it's like his mind is nothing but death like he does not have a plan he doesn't care it's like he just he worships like the idea of death and conquering and like that's all he wants to do it's like just consume consume and like that is such a cool moment (laughs) like that's that's one of the most metal things i've ever seen in a book
0: right and you have to even take that into like context is that thanos who is in love with death who literally wanted to snap half of the existence of the universe yeah. out? Sees what's in Annihilus' mind and is like, "Oh, that guy's nuts."
1: Yeah, he's basically just like, just like, "Uh, that's a little much." Like, <laughs> it's like, "That's that's great," like you know. And and again, too, like that they they do a lot of heavy lifting, like in terms of like you know, this is a a, a not post Starlin, but like you know, this is using Thanos, and it's not Starlin's, which is always a risky move, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like and they they really like play into him it's like i feel like giffen and them like actually got thanos they were like okay like this is how you do it (laughs) you know and like and yeah i i don't know it's it's just such a you could look at that story from any character's perspective and you get like a really interesting character study on all of them and like and also you just you will inevitably learn about a bunch of characters you didn't know and like it's just goes off in all different directions it's it's great stuff
0: it really is and it also gives us the best suit design for nova like cuz as soon as you get the world mind it changes nova's design and it's just this massive upgrade and it looks so cool and it's the basis for the design that we get in later runs it yeah. just gets us the really cool shoulders and the helmet redesign is awesome
1: i love that aspect of his suit when he uh gets the full nova force and the world mind and um the three like circle things on his chest, like um, become like exhaust ports. So it's like right. after he like does like a big thing or flies or he lands like from space or something, it's like, you see like smoke coming off of them and stuff. And it's like, that's just, yeah, it's just super cool looking.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a great touch. All right. What, what you got for your next suggestion?
1: Okay. So, You know like i said i could have cheated and been like uh read from annihilation to annihilation conquest to the nova series to war of kings roma kings and then thanos imperative or whatever you know like this long (laughs) but if i if i really have to pinpoint a moment like in there because i knew it would be a story from that era i think the best character study and the best character work done with richard in that era is post annihilation It's not quite when the Guardians of the Galaxy are formed. They form out of Annihilation Conquest, which is the sequel that happens almost directly after. But there's a Nova Solo series that I mentioned by Abnett and Lanning that starts, and it's like a through line through the rest of the Marvel Cosmic stuff to the end at Thanos Imperative. Um, The very first arc of that series is technically a prologue to Annihilation Conquest because, like I said, they did it almost immediately after annihilation <laughs> there was not a lot of time like annihilation was such a runaway success that marvel they, they marvel editorial was like do it again you know and like, and so they they got to work on that but uh, you get like you know six or seven issues of rich like before that and that story is such it's so interesting as like a starter to a series because it's really calm I guess you'd kind of have to because it's like it's right after Annihilation, which was like the biggest thing that Marvel Space had done in forever. His solo series starts and he's just like tired and he goes home. He goes to Earth having having been through like this war for years and it's post civil war. He just tries to go home and his parents are freaked out. And they're like, you're different now because like the world mind, it's like he sleepwalks, but it's like the
0: world mind takes over his body sometimes. So what we're saying is another connection to Pete when the symbiote takes over his body when he's sleeping.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> See, but So, you know, it's like he's freaking his parents out. He's not the same, you know, as he used to be. Uh, You know, he's he feels like I need to go home because it's like where I'll, you know, feel at home. But. It's just like this arc of like self discovery for him, where he realizes the home that he remembers is not there anymore. That's such an interesting... That's the the best way to like mature a character, and especially someone kind of like kooky like Rich Ryder, who was you know for all intents and purposes for a long time was the poor man's Peter Parker. You know, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like so it, it just it really lets him come into his own, and like you get some great stuff where like Iron Man comes and sees him, and he's like, "You need to register," and Rich is like, "What the." are you talking about dude (laughs) like i like like i don't care he meets speedball after like he becomes penance which is what i was talking about being kind of cringe earlier and he's just like he's like dude what have you done like jesus christ like you know like it's just and, and it's it's just him kind of reacting to like the state of like earth and being like you know what man like space makes more sense like i'm gonna go back and like and then like annihilation conquest starts but i think that that little reprieve from like all the extreme stuff happening is just some of the best like character work you can get in like a mainstream superhero comic so that's my recommend is like nova like issues one through seven
0: all right we've gotten through our reading suggestions so the next up on the docket is going to be grail find i do not have any grails i don't have any like major keys for nova so i'm just curious do you have any
1: I have a few. I mean, like, I have most of the Abnet landing run, which I'm really proud of. I have not met either of them, though. They're from across the pond, so they don't come over mm. to our cons very often. Uh, but when I do, I'll have 10,000 things for them to sign and um, <laughs> and, and then put it in a box forever. But, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, but I think the ones that I'm most proud of is um, I have uh, issue one and 12. So the Spider Man <sighs> crossover issue, and they're both signed by Wolfman when I got nice. to meet him. Uh, at uh, SDCC in 2019, I wanted to mention as well, there was literally no one at his table, and I was like, What is going on? This is Marv Wolfman just sitting here. That's strange, <laughs> but that is, that's odd. I know it was str- I was like, Did he just like open up or something? And it was just like, No, like he was just there, just working on stuff. And I just walked up, I was like, Uh, wait, Marv Wolfman, and he was like, <laughs> He was like, Yeah, and I was like, will you sign my Nova issues? And he's like, Oh yeah, sure. You know, <laughs> like, and so I got a cool. poster from him and like, you know, yeah, but those are, those are my, my most prized ones. I think
0: I was shocked. We talked about this before we started recording. I, I am still shocked with how inexpensive the man called Nova. Number one is still. Yeah. The, the character in some form is going to be showing up in the MCU soon. And we were talking about it. It might be Sam or it might be rich so th- we don't know like which one is going to go up in value but for the fact that it came out in 1976 a number one first appearance of honestly a very crucial character for marvel cuz he has he's had so many major creators work on their title yeah i i would definitely suggest everyone go out and if you can pick up the man called nova number 1 uh yeah. because you can get it for fairly cheap i'm pretty sure
1: i found mine like in like a used bookstore, <laughs> <And> like <laughs> I, I paid like four dollars for it, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" You know, what, yeah, it's like it's uh, granted that was that was quite a few years ago. So I mean, like you know, probably looking at I don't know a little bit more than that, I think. But yeah, it it is kind of odd, right? I mean, like um, we had speculated that the fact that maybe it's because the movie or whatever they're doing, they haven't even really said what it is. I mean, there's rumor going around now heavily that it might be one of those Marvel specials. Yeah, which, um, which you know, I'd I'd be down for like if that's like an introduction to him, um, uh, or if it's Sam too. You know, I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'd just be stoked to see Nova on the big screen at all.
0: Hundred percent, yeah, because those those character abilities are going to be very cool to see on screen.
1: Exactly, yeah. There's a James Gunn. It's like I, you know, I. I'm one of those people that's like, I have, uh, I, I love the guardians movies, but mm-hmm. like, as a fan of the comics, I have to like completely turn that part of my brain off because they're just not, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> that at all. They're just totally different interpretation, which is totally fine. Um, but like, I remember after the first one came out, uh, people were asking him, like people like me who were like, we're like, dude, are are you going to like Richard Ryder? Is he going to be in, in, like a guardians movie? And he was like really adamant about like not having another human character. Right. Like in there, like, cause he wanted to focus on Peter. And at the time I was just like, boo, boo.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I'm I, glad that they're committed to doing something with Nova. Like I said, whether it be Rich or Sam, I'm i I'm just down to see him.
0: Normally with adaptations, we have more to say about a character, but like we said, we have, we don't really have much with Nova. There's more with Sam. There's a lot of uh, animated adaptations with Sam Alexander, but I couldn't really find anything about Rich showing up in an animated format. I'm sure he has, but I, I really couldn't find anything.
1: I, 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 you know, as as big of a fan as I am, the only things that I recognize, like, and we have the list here as well too. But um, uh, the only things that I knew was that he showed up in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom three. Yeah. and uh because that's the only reason i considered getting that game um and then uh and then he is in ultimate alliance 3 but he's not playable he's just like he just shows up yeah was <laughs> like, like dude that sucks yeah. Uh, but yeah so not not a lot of love for rich in terms of adaptations at least yet <laughs> But even sam though too is like i mean he's been in you know like what was it like this one of the spider-man animated shows like you know he's a main character but like even him he's he's not in a lot either
0: no no but that will probably change as soon as one of them shows up in the mcu
1: exactly yeah
0: but then other than that we just have that rumored disney plus series slash special slash potential film so uh, the question is who would we want to fan cast as richard rider in the mcu
1: that's something that i've thought about for years (laughs) (laughs)
0: and i'll I'll go
1: through because i think it's kind of funny actually thinking of like how my mind has changed over the years but like originally so this would be like 2009 2010 okay uh my like go-to and i think a lot of people's go-to back then was nathan fillion yes um now obviously nowadays i mean sure he could do it, but he'd be like an older rich, you know, and I'm, sh- and we, knowing the MCU, they want someone they can get like, you know, at least like five appearances, if not like films out of or whatever. So like, I, I think uh, we can nix that, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, uh, after that, I was really big and you're, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge shill for it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, but I was always really, I, w- I was pushing for Glenn Howerton <laughs> to play, <laughs> to play Richard Ryder. I think oh, he would do a really great job. But he's also kind of in that fill-in boat now where it's like he's he's he'd have to play an older rich, which I mean, you know, the the more that I think about that, too, if they did want to do Nova and like the fact that they haven't said if it would be rich or Sam, if they Mm -hmm. did them both and had rich do the winter thing, either of those guys could still do a great job. You know, I don't know if either of them would actually sign on for it, but (laughs) but I think that both of them would uh, do a good older, like seasoned rich. Um my actual casting, if it's Richard Ryder and someone younger, I'd I really thought about it. And it's just an actor that I really dig and I know is really diverse in his roles, um, but Alex wolf he's in... So he's he's kind of the main kid in the new Jumanji movies. Okay. Who, who's, uh, who, like, The Rock pretends to be, you know? Right, yeah. So, like, he's he's also been in, like, a bunch of, like movies that I just really dig like, um, uh, hereditary, uh, yeah. he's the son. Yeah. Um, I really like him in, uh, there's a Nicholas cage movie called pig mm. that, that I thought he was just really great in like a subtle kind of dramatic performance. And, um, I don't know. He's, he's young enough. And like I said, diverse enough of an actor, like that. I just feel like he could dig into a character like rich and kind of get to the core of what I feel is like, so relatable to him of being like that guy. Who's like, i don't know what i'm good at or like or if i'm good at anything and i feel lost and like but then he finds purpose you know like that's that's the arc that i would look for you know so it's like i I think he could do that well
0: no that's that's a great choice the the fact that you brought up it's always sunny in philadelphia makes me feel like i would also like to see rob McElhaney oh dude yeah (laughs) yeah He's already yoked out of his mind. That's true. He can pull it off. He's a he's a lot better
1: actor than he gives himself credit to be.
0: Absolutely. The I think it was the season 13 finale of It's Always Sunny where he does the that dance.
1: The interpretive dance. Yeah. 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 Oh, my
0: gosh. It was like so not on brand for the show, but it was such a powerful (laughs) moment. It was so good. It really is. It's such a it's such a crazy like like season finale like ender for that show
1: too and it's like i was like at the first time i saw it i was like crying i was like oh man like it's beautiful
0: yeah it it's absolutely beautiful i loved it and he does have that superhero physique that's for sure yeah. oh i am i am shocked he's not already been signed up for something especially now that he owns wrexham with ryan yes. reynolds <laughs> exactly yeah
1: Ryan could convince him to do some kind of role. we would probably get him in like an X-Men movie or something like that.
0: What if I, Rob shows up in uh, Deadpool three? I would love that.
1: I would, I would love any of the sunny like cast showing up in anything. Marvel. I would, I
0: would, I would die. I that. agree. Danny DeVito. He's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, soon to the MCU. He could be speedball. <laughs> <Sorry>. Perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I was just gonna say, who do who do you have for a fan casting for rich?
0: Yeah. So I originally uh, thought of Jensen Ackles. Just because he he's such a better actor than what he's given credit for, I feel like more people now see after him in the boys, yeah, it's soldier after boy, soldier boy, yeah. yeah. So they start to see his range and what he can bring to the table, rather than playing Dean Winchester for 16, 15, 16 seasons because yeah. they have to stay in this like CW type of of like personality. But he was so good; he had a lot of he had really good range in the boys and i think he would get this snarkiness and then get bring the intense moments that you need from rich on screen
1: he would he would play off really well although granted i don't know if we're going to get him really after the third guardians movie right. but ackles would play off really well with chris pratt's star lord I, I agree with that like and that would be a cool dynamic between like you know if he is rich and and you know peter quill like that i could see them too kind of having like a good repertoire you uh-huh. know yeah, it's
0: <laughs> what if so what if instead they so they do Jensen Ackles Nova but then Rob McElhenney Quasar
1: oh my god that would be amazing yes <laughs> <I'd> be <so laughs> down.
0: I would be so down for that all right it's, it's about that time of the show where we dive into our strangest segment
1: what what what
0: is? each issue we do what nerds do best we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love and this week we decided to come up with the idea of what if marvel developed a nova centric event now nick you developed this idea and i'm very happy that you did because it spurred an, an idea i'm very excited to talk about but how about you go first with this since this is your baby
1: sure okay so i had so many directions that like my mind instantly went with when i think of this you know what i ended up thinking would be the most interesting at least that you could do cuz i i think the caveat for me was i didn't want to just do like another space event you know like another annihilation like they've tried that to like not bad but like diminishing returns you know i mentioned up top like you know annihilation scourge it's like That event isn't bad. It's led by Matthew Rosenberg, who's a writer I really like. It just flew so under the radar. You know, it was like nobody talks about it. (laughs) And it's just like, (laughs) and it's like it was a cool idea, but it wasn't it wasn't given enough push, I think, on Marvel's end. But like also, too, it's just like you can't just do another annihilation and expect it to have the same impact. You have to kind of do something different. So my main caveat for picking mine was that it had to involve Earth in like a major way so that we could get the rest of the Marvel Universe involved, like as if like a proper Marvel summer blockbuster event, right? Yeah. The thing that went into my head, like the first image I got in my head, uh, was an ominous splash page of like thousands of Nova Corps members just blackening the sky over Earth. Now let's say that Rich or Sam, it could be either or, gets the world mind back to the capacity that rich had it in annihilation because right now it's like um you know he can contact the world mind but it's not fully ingrained in him as it used to be it's been spread dispersed throughout the core again like you know as like as they rebuilt it let's say that like something happens and the world mind uh without kind of being able to explain itself um you know maybe it can't communicate in the same way i'm not sure of like the logistics here you know we'll make up some some magic story reason but you know (laughs) it's uh so the the world mind goes into rich or sam uh, fully again it's not with any of the core Um, I think it'd be cool actually if they did it with Sam because it gives Rich more of like an active role as the mentor Um, mm. he can kind of help guide him through but um, then through like some Zandarian kind of politics and like some evil like backroom plotting the core come to believe that Rich or Sam are unfit to house the world mind singly you know this leads to the core basically invading Earth to forcefully bring them in and figure this out um, resulting in essentially a war with the battlefield being Earth. That way you get, like, all the heroes involved, you know, and um, you can really get the Nova Corps over as not only, like, powerful, but as, like, a scary threat, you know? And how it would kind of play out, you know, this may border on, like, a cheesy side, but I was thinking because they've established in earlier stories that Xandar has cloning machines. That's how they actually bring back all the people that Ronan Day lost um, in, like, the original series, like, when it kind of caps off and Rich, like, helps reestablish Xandar. So, um, with the cloning machines, it would be, like, revealed, like, a last page of issue one reveal that uh, the leader against Rich and Sam that started the entire conflict is a resurrected Roman day. Oh, nice. Like, the original guy who gave Rich, like, the powers. Mm-hmm. And, but. So it's like you're thinking that Roman Day is like the bad guy the whole time, right? You know, and it's like he's he and I want to play it kind of like how um, Steve Rogers was played in uh, the Nick Spencer, like Secret Empire era, mm-hmm. where it's like, like, you don't sympathize with him because, you know, you're not on his side. But it's like, y- you know, that he really believes like what he's doing is right, you know, like and, and like he, he really believe that he's like, in his earnest heart, thinks that this is what should be done, right? So Mm -hmm. there's, there's reason for people to follow him, but, uh, to preserve the legacy of Ronan day, like as a character, we could say that, you know, yes, it's a clone of Ronan day, but, um, you know, through like chicanery of like the cloning process, um, it has been infected with the mind of a nefarious enemy. And ideally it would be Garth and Saul, which I think would be pretty rad ending in like this culmination battle of like, you know, these two who have always had it out for each other like so that essentially led me to when i when i came to garth and saul i was like it's the sinestro core war (laughs) 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 from marvel (laughs) like which which you know like i said you don't need it it's so many green lantern parallels but like there haven't been like enough like big stories like that with the nova core that like you could do that make it different enough and i think that that would just be full of like really cool reveals and like you know just really get nova over as like this important figure in the Marvel universe you know
0: I agree that'd be very cool uh so mine it it's going to have to happen in more of a parallel universe just because it's going to be like a true what if. Like, this is not going to be the 616. This is like, the Watcher yeah. comes in and is like, what if this happened? And then it's like that true, that true, like, side. So we're talking not going to affect the actual 616, yes. but still a very fun story to tell. In this uni- Marvel Universe, the, uh, there's a storyline that's fairly recent at Marvel where Kingpin ran for president. So this storyline is going to start with Kingpin uh, running his campaign and trying to become the president of the United States, but he's going to do so through fear mongering. And he has this horde of other super villains and criminals that want him to come into power so that they can also reap the benefits of having a corrupt, uh, a truly, truly corrupt leader uh, as president of the United States. Now. It's discovered that Kingpin has a shadow cabinet and uh, which is all of those, those other villains that are helping him out. And one of those members is Carrion. So not many people might not know. This is another 90s thing going on. So Carrion is a, is a Spider-Man villain. Uh, he He's like a very emaciated looking humanoid. And he has this uh, material called red dust, which basically causes people to become incapacitated they pass out they become unconscious and then it also can corrode flesh and metal so carrion has weaponized this to a mass scale and is going to unleash multiple uh like missiles to be launched to basically take out all these different major cities of the united states unless people will vote for kingpin uh, but he's not saying that. But Kingpin's like, I know how to stop him. Stuff, blah, 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 stuff like that. Basically, showing like I can control these massive super villains because I was one of them before. I know how to deal with them. That's kind of like the whole thought process there. Now, uh, Rich has been called in to help out with this from the Avengers because Rich at, at this point is still connected to the world mind. So they're like, you're able to connect the world mind to the, the uh, this other satellite supercomputer that's in space. You'll be able to pinpoint where these locations are for these missiles so we can all go to those different locations and stop it from happening. Meanwhile, government agencies are freaking out and trying to Uh, take all of their critical information and throwing them onto external hard drives because they don't want all their stuff to be destroyed because they, of course, will most likely be targets of these attacks and it's going to corrode everything. They don't trust the cloud, all all those types of things. Now, as soon as Rich has the world mind connect to this satellite that is orbiting Earth to find out these locations for these missiles, a new intern at one of these government agencies finds a hard drive inside of his superior's desk. Now there's going to be a cutscene, and you find out that as soon as this superior has found out about what's happening he slams his hands on his desk and it jars loose this this secret drawer that is in his desk. Uh, So again this intern finds it and plugs it in. Unbeknownst to the intern this particular external hard drive houses a sentient monster. Uh, As the world mind connects the server, the intern in tandem plugs the external hard drive in to begin downloading vital government information. Ryder is able to pinpoint where the attacks will be and sends information to the massive Avengers lineup who will then go off and stop these missiles from launching. But just as Ryder is about to recall the world mind, he's hit with a powerful mental pain and visions of metal and death. The malicious Ultron, who has been dormant inside of this mechanical tomb, sinks its artificial claws into the world mind and tears a piece for himself as the remainder returns to Nova. The remaining piece of the world mind, desperate to free itself, pleads to its captor for release. But Ultron manipulates the piece of the world mind left behind and chuckles as it devours its prey and is able to connect to the cosmic knowledge and powers it possesses.
1: Oh my god. This... Okay, so you haven't read Annihilation Conquest, right? No. This works so much better than you probably even think it does because like so, <laughs> yeah. so like so annihilation conquest i guess spoilers for, spoilers for it tell me but like, but like the whole thing with annihilation conquest is the fact that um post annihilation and the galaxy is like rich is running himself ragged trying to basically police the the universe by himself because oh, there's no because there's no core right uh-huh. and like It leads to like all these things, like all these power vacuums and things like that, because, you know, certain plants were destroyed, certain armies, governments, whatever. This threat starts looming. And it turns out it's this big reveal that it's the Phalanx, right? Mm -hmm. The Phalanx are making a play for like everything left. Like they're like, everything's weakened. We just go there and just take over everything, right? But it's later revealed, even after the Phalanx, that. The phalanx are being more aggressive than usual because Ultron has linked with the phalanx. Oh my gosh. So Ultron Damn. is essentially the bad guy of Annihilation Conquest, right? There is a point in Annihilation Conquest wherein Rich gets infected like oh. by the phalanx, by, which is controlled by Ultron. The right. world mind barely fights it off. I think he actually goes full phalanx for a while, and the world mind transfers itself to this random woman, like this random alien. And she becomes Nova Prime for, like, a little bit <laughs> and, like, and has to, like, fight him. She ends up dying because Gamora, who is infected by the phalanx, kills her. And then, but it gives Rich enough time for the world mind to download and fight it over. So this scenario you're playing out works perfectly because, like, Ultron would have, like, this vendetta that the world mind like got away type thing you know like where he almost had it and now it's like that's that's perfect yeah that's great like it's like ultron revenge story almost now
0: (laughs) yes i love ultron i want more ultron so as soon as i realized what the world mind was i was like oh yes i need to to, like (laughs) combine this in the storyline that's rad right and so i have so empowered by the corrupted nova force that he creates uh ultron creates a microscopic stargate to escape his prison inside of this hard drive and then transfers himself or or basically uses a microscopic stargate to go to a another satellite which is revolving earth and you see it it, it's actually veronica so the housing unit for a hulkbuster
1: yeah. And
0: you just see it kind of start to shake a move and then he explodes out of it with the red eyes that signify that Ultron has taken over. Ultron, having been flooded with the Nova Force and Zendarian knowledge of the cosmos, looks upon Earth and menacingly whispers to himself, I have seen the potential of cosmic technology and it casts a shadow on this primitive world. I'll return to educate you on true mechanical power and then crush you with it as the reborn i'm gonna call zoltron or zandoltron i don't know which (laughs) one yet i love that (laughs) opens another stargate and soars toward the vision of universal organic oblivion
1: dude yeah that's rad i love that that's a that's so like i mean with ultron 2 is like you know he has like this precedence of just like anytime he gets over on like the heroes and whatnot it's just this there's there's nothing quite like it in the Marvel. Like he's one of the best villains, like just because mm-hmm. it's like so overwhelming in like yes. any story. Like, you know, I mean you look at Ultron Unbound and like, you know, it's it's just like and even um even uh, Age of Ultron, which is kind of like a mixed bag for me, but like those first few issues where it's like we just cut to like a world where Ultron has like taken over everything, like it's it's scary. Like it's, oh, like, it's terrifying. Know,
0: it's, just- it's terrifying. I, I just love the idea of Ultron exploring the entire cosmos to find the greatest tech in order to learn more and more and more, and then bring that back to earth. So the storyline is still very much going to happen on earth, but I see a few issues where Nova is trying to catch him as he's basically world hopping. So I envision these uh, like an episode where it's literally, they're just making Stargate after Stargate, trying to catch one another. And yeah. it could just be these really cool splash pages that are happening, and uh, and then everything culminates with a gigantic battle back on Earth. Like you mentioned, it, it needs to include all these other heroes. Yeah, and and so it's it, it's to the point where maybe we need to have the world mind not only be in possession of Rich or have a partway with Rich, but then also imbue other heroes with the world mind itself to get a little bit of a power up for our Avengers.
1: That's rad. I I love that idea too of like an issue basically of like rich, just like running himself ragged, like just stargating after stargating, like just depleting like his energy, like, you yeah. know, like just like trying to get there, but he's, he can't like, that's, that's a cool moment. Like, man. Yeah. I, you know, it, the whole thing actually had me wondering too. I was like, cause you know, obviously you're saying it in the way where it's like, this would be more of like a, a true like what if, where it's like, it's kind of like its own thing. Like, you know, yeah. we can kind of use what we want, pick and choose. It would actually probably be really interesting for them to try to work that into like modern continuity. Like now, <laughs> you know, especially with like the Hank Pym like infused Ultron and stuff. Like it's yeah. like, because Pym would like,
0: you know, it, it, it,
1: they've never really done much with. With Pimtron, unfortunately. I think that that's a really good idea. But like, it's, uh, you know, like when he showed up in Secret Empire, I was like, oh, cool, you know, but Mm I haven't really done much with him since. Like, I think Jerry Duggan tried to do something in his Uncanny Avengers run, but like, nobody cares. (laughs) Like, but it was like, but you know, like with Pim, like, you know, his whole thing, like with being fused with Ultron, is like, you don't know who's like in charge. Right. And like, and you don't even really know if like Pim is there. And so it's like, it'd be like this extra scientific mind and like you know pim is like curious to a fault him like reaching out into space to find more like alien technology is like that's a that's a cool threat you know <laughs> like very much I
0: yeah i i had so much fun as, as soon as i finished reading annihilation or in the middle of reading annihilation i was like oh my gosh i i need to <laughs> put this like concept down on paper because i I always want more Ultron and I think it works very well with this entire setting. And so it, it makes me happy to know that Ultron was involved with Nova. <laughs> yeah. yeah dude, you, gotta, you
1: gotta read conquest now. Yeah. It's- yeah.
0: I'm excited to, I I'm, I'm sold. Honestly, I, I love doing these episodes because I get to learn so much about these characters that I don't know previously. And it makes me excited to go to like my local used bookstores and, and, look for Nova storylines that I haven't read yet or find, find stuff for characters that I didn't know as much about because at used bookstores, they're like five bucks, like snatch up, snatch up stuff and just read a whole bunch of content. Exactly, man. Yeah. And Nova is like one of those that,
1: you know, like I said, he hasn't had like a super, like, you know, him in the front lines type of story or book in, in a while, like basically since the Thanos imperative, Anytime he pops up, and he's slowly been popping up a little bit more here and there, like over the years. And um, but anytime he does, I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, there's there's my guy, you know. <laughs> and he's still he's still out there doing stuff. And uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they will try to align something once uh once the movie or a show or whatever it is like ends up coming out or gets announced officially. Like we'll 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 see more of of Rich.
0: Yeah, I I look forward to it, and hopefully we get a live action adaptation very soon.
1: I hope so, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on and talking Nova with me. It, it was so much fun. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you out on social media?
1: Of course, yeah. So um, none of my friends like comics. Uh, the podcast can be found on Twitter is my main thing. Um, it's at uh, the handle No Comic Friends, And uh, that's basically where I do all my updates and posts and stuff like that. Um, other than that, you know, just find me on all the usual spots, Spotify, apple google all that jazz um and uh yeah that's pretty much it
0: it's time to close the book on richard Ryder's nova so until next time this is lance and this is nick reminding you to keep your friends close but your comic books closer